Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we are with Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources, uh, a wildlife biologist, wildlife ecologist, behavioral specialist, uh, elk extraordinaire. I mean, what else can I say, Chris? <laughs> Uh, just devilishly handsome as well, mate. Just throw that in there. <laughs> I gotta say, I cracked up on your Instagram post, or it was your Facebook, and it's like you're you're leaned back in a lawn chair watching the eclipse, and you're talking about listening to Pink Floyd. I'm like, oh goodness, this is uh, yes, this is going oh, this is going downhill in a hurry. Oh no, that was epic. If 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 folks aren't on my Instagram, oh, there's two different songs that you could have played back to back with Pink Floyd. Uh, brain damage and eclipse, and it's five minutes and ten seconds to you know when you start that song to where Pink Floyd says it is you know all these things are eclipsed by the moon. We I time I had that sucker timed. I hit, I hit as soon as it was like the tide click, hit play, got to the chair, sat there, just watched the eclipse happen while Pink Floyd. Oh, it was yes, yes. That is that is how you watch an eclipse, my friend. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I cracked up. I cracked up when I saw that. It just made me laugh. Uh, Chris, I want to get into, um, you know, do you initiate uh, your calling sequence with, with ca- uh, cow calls or with bugling? And I've gotten this question before, and I know you have, and I, I've gotten other people's take on this, and I know you're probably going to say it's situational, um, but just j- just curious your thoughts when that question comes in. Uh, it's situational. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, if I'm in an area, well, okay, I guess there's two parts to that. For me, uh, how early is it in the season? You know, what are the elk doing? And then am I in an area where I know I've got cows? Uh, so, like this year, here we are, 2017, uh, Colorado season starts Saturday, August 26th, so it's very early. For Colorado, it's very early. And for those guys that are guys and gals that are hunting in Utah, you know, early archery, whatever, you guys start like at 19 or 15 or 4, whatever. It's stupidly early in Utah. Um, you know, a lot of times if I know that I'm in an area where I am maybe targeting bulls that are still in their bachelor group or they are just coming out of their bachelor group, then a lot of times I'm going to start off with a, just a, a level one contact people. Just send a, just a light contact people out there and, and listen for a response. And if I know for a fact that I'm in an area where the bulls are still kind of more bachelored up or, or they're still off on their own and don't have cows yet, I may very well stick with bull vocalizations uh, until it just absolutely shows that they're just not going to respond to bugles or bull, bull vocalizations, then I will roll over to cow vocalizations. But other places, if, if I'm in an area, if I say I, I'm going to start later in the season and I'm going to try to find, uh, and I don't mean like late September, I mean, you know, if, as I start rolling into September, and especially if I know I'm in an area that has cows in it, uh, and, and if, especially if the bulls are starting to engage cows, and a lot of times I will start with a lost cow call, just a lost view, uh, seek that response that way, see if I get it. If I do, great, then I'll stick with that. I'll stick with cow vocalization. If I don't get a response from that, then I will transition and throw out a couple contact people 
and see what I get. So I do. It is situational. We joke about that, but I, you know, there's a reason for it. So. Is is it a function of you? You start with a few lost muse, few lost cow, cow calls because of you're worried of the proximity to that. You know, if the elk might be close, um, you know, just a lost calf call or a last lost cow call or lost mew might just not be as um, intrusive, say, as maybe a contact bugle? Is, is that the reason? Well, kind of. Hey, you're right. I mean, if, the, if I think maybe the elk are really close by, and at the time, you know, if there's elk, there's cows in the area, and there's elk nearby, and, um, yeah, I can do a, a lost mew a lot quieter, and it's less intrusive. Uh, but if the bulls are, are interested in cows at the time, they, they very well may be interested in hearing that that cow that or calf that's saying, where are you? She's looking for someone. She's looking for a response. I'm asking her for a specific response. So I'm looking for a response, and I'm interested in that. Well, he's going to be interested in cows. She's asking for a response. It's in his best interest to be the one to respond first, to make vocal contact and hopefully eye contact, blah, blah, blah. So, yes, in that regard, it absolutely works well. But then the other flip side of that, too, is by this time, if you start moving into a period where bulls start having cows or bulls are interested in cows and, and, and that type, I don't, again, I don't know what kind of bull I might be running into, whether he's a lover or a fighter. And if I run into a situation where I know there's, I, I think there should be a bull in front of me and I, and I engage him, well, if that bull just got run out of another area, he, he just, you know, he, he got run out of the, the one area by a bull and he ran smack dab into another bull and got his butt whipped. And then he ran into another bull and that bull chased him off. And I go in there to give him a contact to go and I sound like a bull. He might be less inclined to even say anything. He's like, nah, I'm just going to stand here and figure out what that's going on before I get myself in trouble again. So, again, that's, that's why I will start low, build up when and if I need to. Is your contact bugle, what are you imagining when you fire out a contact bugle in most situations as far as do you have a... A, an, a picture of a bull in your mind that you're trying to sound like, like, you know, a five by six, a four by five, a six point, a, you know, seven, like what, like in your just regular contact bugle, what do you want to sound like? For me, my, in my mind, I, um, it, it, is, it is as simple as, I don't. Even, I don't even pay attention to the what I would consider. You know, some people say the size of the bull. I I don't put much stock into. Oh, I want to sound like a big bull or a small bull or but now. I mean, you you know, especially down in Arizona, you and I both know you can have a four hundred plus inch bull that sounds like the weakest, wimpiest animal out there. Likewise, you could have the tiniest little bull that just sounds like he's the, the king of the mountain. You know, so. Again, for me, structure of how a vocalization is given is more important than actually the quality of the, or the vocal signature of that. So for me, it's just simply a bull. And in my mind's eye, I see a bull. He's got his, he's, he's in an upright posture, meaning his shoulders are up, his head is up. If, if, he, if anything, his head is in a neutral, his head, neck is in a neutral position. But a lot of times, 
their head, their shoulders, their neck, everything's up, their ears are forward, and their ears are shriveling, their, their, their ears are searching for a response, they're, they're searching for a sound, and that bull just lays his head back just a little bit. You know, again, that le- I started with that level one, just that, just kind of holds that high note, and then just falls off. And that's how I'll start it. But I am. I'm, I'm envisioning there's a bull that's curious, he's seeking, he's looking, one question that I that I get a lot too is how close do you get to an elk before you call? If I'm just trying to pinpoint and locate him, uh, again, I I'm only going to call as much as I need to. So if if he's on the other side of the canyon, or on the other side of the valley, or you know, on the other side of the bowl or whatever, for the air, he bugles, and I know that's the last time I'm to him until I get yeah start, so start if, over. if I know right where that bull is and I can, if I know right where that bull is I won't say another word until I get right in close under a hundred yards of it but depending on the terrain you know I'm just going to get as close as I possibly can usually it's going to be that 80 to 150 yards is, is what I will do before I, I touch base with him again so you hear a bull bugling and he's bugled two or three times, um, and he sounds like he's in the same spot, you will not even initiate with him until you can get over. If, if, if he's bugled and given his location a couple of times, you will move in his direction and be listening the whole way walking in and not calling, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. What? It, you know, for me, I love to call, but calling is just a tool. So if I don't need to call to him, if I don't need to give up my position or, or let him even know that I'm there yet, I won't. I will just sneak my way in and as close as I possibly can. And when I'm within striking distance, again, at 80 to 150 yards or so, that's when I will, I will engage him and uh, try to get him to work from there. Okay. And... You know, we we talked about whether you would initiate with the cow call or a, a bugle. Um, in this circumstance where, let's say, you're going to have this weekend where it's, you know, beginning of the season, you know, early season, and let's say you hear a bull and he bugles twice, and it's just that kind of just um, high-pitch contact bugle, um, the challenge is, Moving in on an elk like that and not knowing when to stop, if they stop bugling, it's almost all the time you want to call to get them to bugle again. So how long will you take to, you know, be moving in on that, you know, contact bugle when he's only bugled once or twice and, you know, does sometimes it take you 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Like, like what kind of time frame for absolutely. people? Which one? A- absolutely. I will, I will let him dictate the pace and set the, essentially, the temperature. I'll take his temperature. If he's, if he's willing to be vocal and he's vocalizing on a fairly regular basis routinely, and I start moving in, and, you know, I, I have not heard from him that I will wait, and I'll assume that he's probably, if, he, if all of a sudden he goes quiet, if the wind is right and it's in my face and I know that he hasn't smelled me and I know I haven't bumped him, I'll, I'll give him a few minutes to, and he's probably moving my way. He's probably making 
some sort of movement in my direction. So I'll give them a few minutes. But if I don't hear anything, I'll chime back in. I'll, I'll see, and usually it's going to be at this point, if, you're, if I've already made vocal contact, um, a lot of times I'm, I'm leaning heavy on the cow vocalizations probably at this time. So I'll probably just hit him with a loss and say, okay, dang, where, where did you go? Where are you? And if he's been bugling quite a bit, typically that's going to get a response. Now, on the other flip side, if I go and, and, and in that regard, I might uh, feel more comfortable vocalizing a little bit more regularly, a little bit more freely, because that's what we've been doing up to that point. Whereas, if he's been kind of tight-lipped, he hasn't really said much, he's just only, you know, bugling or vocalizing just occasionally, well, as I slip in and I get close, I'm just going to figure out, okay, he's not bugling a lot, he's not vocalizing a lot anyway. At this point, now that I'm close, he very well may just shut up and just sit and watch and wait and see if I'm continuing on. Dude, uh, there's times where I'll wait 30, 45 minutes, an hour. I'll just sit, park it, and wait. I know he's got to be right there. If the wind is good, I know my approach was good. I can show you on the elk module and the strategies and actions videos. I can, with an animal standing right in front of the, the camera, how long they will stand like a statue and just ears are searching, their eyes are searching, their head is up, they're on a swivel. I mean, they're just scanning in front of them across the landscape waiting to see that movement from the animal that they know that should be there, and they will stand. I, literally, they'll stand for an hour or more sometimes. Just stand and, there waiting. Watch. And I think sometimes, you know, I've blown, you know, I always say I, I can sp- I can spook any elk out there. A lot of times I get impatient and I'm the one traveling towards where I last heard the bugle and they're just standing there in the exact posture, exact circumstance that you just described and they catch me moving because they're doing exactly that. They're waiting for me to come to them and I blow yep. them out. And especially in yep. the early season when they're not super vocal and not moving around, you know, they seem to kind of be feeding and, you know, throw off a bugle every once in a while. But they're not really truly like searching for cows. They're more just like you say, making contact. Um, but then they just sit there and they'll chew and then they'll just stop and listen and watch and watch and watch. And here I come, you know, being eager beaver and end up walking and yeah. bl- blowing that elk out. How do you, what advice can you give uh, an eager beaver like me who wants to make it happen in this early season, you know, this weekend opening season coming up? How, how, what advice can you give to to make that into a productive moment as opposed to me blowing the elk out? Basically what I do for myself is I'm the same way. I basically have always given myself this rule. If, if I move in and it's quiet, and I, and, and I know he's got to be there somewhere, and I know that the wind has been consistent, he's been engaging me, he's been vocal, he, he has liked everything I've given him so far, it's been working so far. Everything seems to be just fine so far. If I get in and stop and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it's just not happening, about the time where I can't stand it anymore and I just, my body just wants to involuntarily move and just go. 
at the time I just am going stir-crazy, I will look at my watch, and I will set a 15-minute, I will, I will go, okay, from this point right now, I will not move until 15 minutes from now, so I'll be on 10 minutes to the hour, whatever it is, I'm just, boom, this is the time, and I, now, it's, it's, I'm not fighting my impatience, I'm not fighting my curiosity, I, I, I'm fighting my watch. My watch is there. I'm watching the. I, I sit there and watch the time tick down. But I'm going to give myself an additional 15 minutes. Period. And sometimes it's in that 15 minutes where all of a sudden, snap! There's a twig, and you're like, "Uh oh, here we go." Or it's in. In quite honestly, a lot of times it's in that 15 minutes where all of a sudden you hear, <laughs> you just might chuckle. Or you hear just a little boom, you just have, eh, just a, a few. Like, he's still there. But his curiosity is going stir-crazy in his brain, too. So a lot of times, if I could just make myself wait, and about the time I just can't take it anymore, get my, make myself wait another 15 minutes, and, just, and at that point, I'm not saying a teeth. Not, not a sound. Nothing. Just my ears are straining to pick up any little subtle sound I can hear. I'm scanning in front of me, to the side of me, just making sure nothing's sneaking in around me, but I'm just going to scan and just give it another 15 minutes. And after that, then I might start to creep forward, start calling a little bit, and just figure out, okay, what happened? Where did he go? Good stuff. Uh, Chris, I, I want to, um, in the next episode, I want to talk to you about calling elk that are uphill, downhill, or on level terrain with you and how you handle that and, you know, why you do what you're going to do for each scenario. Um, I want to thank you for spending time with us uh, here and uh, look forward to uh, hearing your response on the next episode.